This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Total Saints Podcast, the dedicated weekly podcast going to the heart of all things Saints FC. I promise I am trying to maintain decorum. Southampton have won a football game, everyone, but there we go, moving on. Um, as normal, Steve and Adam are, are both with me. Steve has literally just walked in the door, Steve. I think you've barely just taken your coat off, have you? Yes, absolutely soaked, but um, very much worth it, I think, for that. Good, good. And uh, Adam is typing furiously lots of positive, exciting things that we're all going to read this week. Yeah, it's great. It's marvellous. I'm in a, I'm in a thoroughly good mood this evening. I must admit. Yeah, good, good. It's, it's convenient because I, I was going to ask you both about. Um, I'd already made my notes before the Arsenal game because I thought there would be idle chit chat to make. But uh, I was going to ask with just over a, a week to go. The uh, the big question, Adam, was uh, forget finishing your Christmas shop. And I was going to ask if you started it because I remember having that conversation with you last year. Oh yeah, last year was a shambles, wasn't it? This mm. year's oh, honestly, I've I've just. I've, I've excelled myself this year. <laughs> it's virtual wrapped, not only bought, yeah? but wrapped. How about oh, that? that I was determined this year, especially with Huddersfield away just before Christmas, yeah. to actually get on top of this. And in amongst all these games, I don't really know how I've had time, but I've discovered the wonders of Amazon Prime. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, pr- yes. I pretty much hate myself <laughs> because obviously, you know, all the negative things with Amazon. But yeah, I can't resist being able to order stuff and, and have it arrive so soon afterwards, so yeah. conveniently. It's, oh, it's, it's terrible, really. But... Wait, wait, wait until you see what they, what they offer on video stuff. What do they, what's that? Well, Amazon Prime, you get all the Prime video stuff. Oh, that's, well, that's why I've signed up, because they've got the tennis next year. Actually, that's why, oh, yeah. and they had the US Open, um, which was actually a bit of a shambles, but I think they, they sort of had improved the service by the end of it, so. It's from, it's from Good. next season, isn't it? They've got the Premier League. Um, I think they it got is. Two, they, got, they got two midweek rounds. That's yes, right. Um, that's right. Where it's kind of all simulcast. You can theoretically pick pick between whichever game you want. Mm. Yeah, be interesting to see how that works. 
probably terribly if the um, I follow stuff in the football leagues anything to go by, but I know, absolutely. No, that's, uh, you're right, Adam. I'd forgotten that because uh, Mrs. S has Amazon Music as well, so you're quite right. But uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I've certainly not seen that last email from Amazon saying basically if you don't buy it today, your family are going to disown you. So uh, I'm waiting on that. It's probably going to come through tomorrow, I expect. But uh, there we go. Anyway, moving on. On this week's episode, we are going to reflect on, yes, I can't quite believe it, an actual Southampton Premier League win that actually counted and uh, actually uh, means that we've got something to actually positively talk about. But uh, yeah, 3-2 win in uh, Ralph Hassan-Hootel's first game at St Mary's so uh, a brilliant result to be able to, to look back on um, we'll also look ahead to next week's uh, away trip and uh, another six pointer I guess you could call it that at Huddersfield although I think we're all a lot more optimistic about it even me um, sandwiched in the middle we'll have our latest total recall with Will and Leon from Saints Archive uh, joining myself and Steve to look back at October 2015 the 3-1 win that uh, Tiff was uh, asking for the other day. But um, just before we move on, as ever, we've um, been very lucky the last few weeks to be able to um, mention some of our TSP patrons over the, the course of the previous episodes. We've had a, a couple more this week. Um, Glenn Hansen in Norway and Shah Arafin down in Australia. So thanks very much both to you guys for becoming uh, TSP patrons via patreon.com slash totalsaintspod. I have to be honest, Adam, when I uh, pinged Shah to say thanks very much and that I give him a shout-out, he said, uh, don't worry so much about the shout out just let me know how I'm getting on in fantasy football and he was relieved I think to hear that he was ahead of you how far ahead do you know well I think everyone's miles ahead of you generally aren't they <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had a really good week last week well you did one yeah one, one week out of 17 <laughs> <laughs> sounds a bit like Saints yeah <laughs> well, it's all right. we're gonna make a whole podcast out of it <laughs> But uh, no, a big thanks to both of you for pledging your support to, to help the production of Total Saints podcast. It really is appreciated. Okay, let's go on with the podcast this week, proudly sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. It's episode 55 of Total Saints podcast. Happyhottubs.co.uk At Happy Hot Tubs, we specialise in hot tubs. It's all we've done for 35 years. So if you're thinking about a hot tub and want to speak to someone, then we're the place for honest, clear and friendly advice. Plus, right now we have 0% available on our hot tubs, meaning you can spread the cost in easy payments. You deserve happy. Come and get it at Happy Hot Tubs. Conditions apply. Visit happyhottubs.co.uk Happyhottubs.co.uk 0% excludes free throw range. Yes, this isn't a drill. Saints have won a Premier League football match at home, beating Arsenal 3-2. There was a free beer for every season ticket holder, three points and three goals. Adam, I hope you don't mind, but I do feel like going sort of uh, completely carried away over this. Well, why not? Why not get carried away? There's been so little to cheer about. 106 days since our podcast after Crystal Palace, Adam. Wow. (laughs) I counted them all. <laughs> wow, that is uh, that is crazy. This yeah, it's felt like a long time, and that is a long time. Oh, it was it was great. What a, what a great day. Um, mm. Just uh, the whole atmosphere around the place, even just turning up there. I mean, as you know, I get there early, and I was I pitched up at ten thirty in the morning, which seems like a very odd time to be arriving at St Mary's, I have to say. But um, yeah, just everything about it felt positive and chipper and upbeat and, and the, the defeat against Cardiff had them really dented hopes. Most people I spoke to were sort of saying, well, look, we just would like to see progress today. Mm. If we can see some progress, 
then that's fine. Progress and then beat Huddersfield. Yep. And we'll take that. So to then actually come away with a win, um, you know, and to finally get the home win, get that monkey off the back in Ralph's first home game in charge, to finally put the, you know, 30 games or whatever it is without being a top six team to bed as well yep. in one fell swoop, to get out of the relegation zone and just to have this enormous feeling of positivity and unity and momentum that really we haven't felt at Saints for a couple of years at least um yeah I mean it was just it was just a good day and it was actually yeah when I put my journalist head on I suppose I say yes you can't get carried away on one day really but you you've got to enjoy it because it's been so long well there's no point in in sort of you know being too grumpy or curmudgeonly about it it's been so long why not enjoy it why not you know enjoy the positivity i mean how many times have we been on this podcast saying it's groundhog day and we don't you know we don't want to be negative and talk about negative things but kind of what choice have we got well today obviously is it's been a positive weekend a positive result and everybody's feeling good and things are things are finally there's a there's just a crack of light in the Mm. tunnel now isn't there Mm. it doesn't look like such a dark abyss so uh, you've got to just make the most of it, haven't you? And just enjoy it and hope it lasts. I've got a few muscles tonight that are aching because I don't think they've felt any emotion for quite a long time. I think you're quite <laughs> right. But uh, I mean, in, in all seriousness, Adam, performance, attitude and, 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 you know, again, there's been sort of glimmers, hasn't it? The, the last few months of sort of that Saints might pull a result off and it's never quite come for it. And I think all of us were probably sat there. I, I'll be honest, I was. You, you knew the fifth goal was going to come. But suffice to say, I think we all assumed it would go the other way for a change. But the, the result as well obviously made, made all that sort of effort the performance the attitude you know worthwhile well i think the thing is about the the performance wise is i know that people won't thank me for saying this necessarily because obviously the the storyline for us as well i guess as media is all on ralph but kind of this had been beginning to come whether Mm. it would have come under hughes or not we don't know but but this had been beginning to come it was a good performance against manchester united obviously they just didn't get over the line to win it like they did with this game but I, i think the key is really that Harsen Hootel, the one thing he's done brilliantly, um, and I will talk about this a bit more later, but is to kind of bring everybody with him. And mm. he's done that superbly from the start. He set the, in my opinion, he set the perfect tone. If he were to have turned up and said to me, you know, I don't know why he would have said this to me, but what <laughs> do you think I should do? Um, you know, how should I play this? Pretty much the majority of the way that he's gone is exactly what I would have suggested in this situation he did and, and what the club needed. And he's, he sort of intuitively known that and got the perfect tone. And I think to get then get a result in your first home game, where especially when it's so unexpected, hmm. um, it just the buy-in factor is massive and people are going to follow him now. And crucially, that includes the players who I think will believe now. My great fear because of the timing, and I, I still think he seems like a great man to do this job at this, but... I still question the fact that they ended up with this timing. It still, to yep. me, seems completely botched that they've ended up in this situation that they've got themselves into. But nonetheless, my fear with that was actually, even if he's really good, just because of the fixtures they've got, they might end up losing a bunch of them. And kind of that that would just deflate everybody. And even if it's, you know, you're losing to Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City, etc., yep. which you expect... People get deflated and then people, including the players, won't buy into it because there'll just be this huge, oh, well, it's the same old rubbish type feeling. Um, but to have got this you know, straight away, really, I mean, he had no time before Cardiff, so we can't mm. judge him on that. But to have got this straight away really just has that feeling of, wow, there's momentum. There is 
there actually is perhaps a bounce feeling. And that's kind of that feeling that was there at the ground. It was that sort of bounce feeling, if you like, of the new manager, the positivity, and then the result followed. Mm. Steve, we'll talk about the manager a bit more in a, in a minute. But just in terms of those 14 players, they've obviously been through the mill a lot this season. Um, they've taken a lot of hits from, you know, not just the podcast, but obviously fans at games and things like that as well. So all 14 of them deserve massive credit for, for the belief and sort of desire that they've shown, which many of us have longed for. Yeah, definitely. Although I think you've still got to ask questions as to why they weren't able to put any sort of cohesive performance together previously this season. Yep. Because, I mean, everyone could see that the talent is largely there. I mean, it's not it's not a vintage Saints squad in terms of, like, for example, the squad that we had when we got into the Europa League. Mm. But it's still a perfectly serviceable Premier League squad yep. um, with good individual players and they just need to be moulded as a team. And I think that, I mean, today's performance is a huge damning indictment on Mark Hughes. Mm, mm. Um, in that Hasenhutl's been in for, what, eight, nine days. Yep. And he's already getting a tune out of certain players who many of us, myself included, had pretty much written off. Yep. There's a complete waste, wasted, busted flush. Just get shot of them. Find someone else who's going who's gonna to do the role a little, little bit better and with, and with a certain degree of actual pride and effort mm. and we actually saw all of that from pretty much from start to finish i think i mean the end of the day, arsenal are a decent side i mean they're constantly top top six that's realistically that's never going to change for the foreseeable future and they've been on a been an unbeaten run of what 22, 22 games yeah 22 games yeah yep. and i don't think there'll be i mean even i mean even the muppets that are on that arsenal fan tv i don't think could possibly argue that the arsenal deserved much if anything out of that game no to be fair I've, I've i think like many saints fans that's the first place you go when you tend to beat arsenal but uh i think most of them were, were actually very honest for a change and said that you know the better team deserved to win today which was saints um i was going to come to this in a bit actually i don't know if you saw it on the train on the way home but it's interesting what you just said there about mark hughes and the uh the indictment mr bertrand put up a oh, yes. uh, yeah <laughs> fine so um i don't know if you've seen it adam but uh, ryan bertrand put uh, an instagram post up that said Clear tactical instruction allowing us to get close to teams and press high, aggressive and as a unit, and we got our rewards, finally. I don't really know what to say about that. <laughs> well, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? Does, it does, it does, yeah. It is blunt and entirely accurate. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at the stats, Steve, 34% possession Saints had. They had more shots on target, seven uh, on target than Arsenal's four. So I think it was always going to be one of those games where you kind of felt they needed a bit of luck as well. I mean, there was, I know the second goal was a bit of a, you know, frustration from sort of Romeo's point of view and a deflection. I'm not dwelling on the negatives. I'm just trying to make a point that actually, you know, the first half, Danny Ying's header could have looped anywhere it looped in and uh, the keeper flapping at the last goal. So maybe the luck is changing a little bit for Saints. I know it's only been one game and one swallow doesn't make a summer but that's what we've kind of been lacking as well a bit of luck haven't we yeah i think so i mean i always think that against the top sides you do need that little bit of luck to go your way as well as a combination of you playing well and them being slightly off color mm. which i mean let's let's be frank arsenal's defense was a shambles today because they don't have any fit center backs because shelney was clearly 60 percent fit at best yep. and the other center backs that were playing weren't center backs and we took for once we actually took advantage of that sort of situation mm. I mean, the, the possession stats are often misleading, I think. I mean, especially a game like today. Arsenal had a, had a lot of possession in their own half where they just went sideways and backwards. And it was noticeable, particularly the first half, where we were pressing much higher up the pitch and forcing... Like, they, they would get the ball in wide areas, probably 20, 30 yards from, from goal. 
and yet the ball would end up back at the centre backs um, ten yards inside their own half yep. because we were intelligently positioning ourselves into into areas where we were preventing them making their sort of eye of the needle passes that Arsenal have always liked to do in the last 15, 20 years. Mm. Um, I mean, the fact that Emery's come in for, for Wenger hasn't, hasn't changed the way that they want to attack. Yep. They've still got the players who want to play those little passes, like obviously Ozil played the last 20 minutes or so, but Mkhitaryan's that sort of player. Torreira, when he gets forward, is that sort of player. Mm. Um, Iwobi's more of a winger, but I mean, he was an absolute waste of space today. But um, that's that's the way they like to play, and Hasenhutl recognised this and set, a, set the team up up in in such a way that every player knew which avenues they had to shut down yeah and we were on it from pretty much from the first whistle yeah and we've spoken about adam haven't we you know throughout the season this trial and error not really having a, a game strategy that that we seem to have stuck with so again i know it is early days but it just does feel like a manager that's come in with a this this is how we're going to play this is what we're going to do get out there and do it lads and it's clear and it's clear, and not only is it clear, but he's quite happy to sit and explain it. It's not like, oh, you know, we've got to keep this secret. We don't, we don't want Arsenal knowing what we're doing. Oh, we mm. can't have Huddersfield find out what we're going to do, which I, I hate because mm. it just, to me, that always uh, smacks of a complete lack of faith in yeah. your own team. If you're like, oh, no, we need to try and hide what we're going to do in some way or another. So whereas, you know, Ralph would just sit there and he'll tell you if you ask him about it, he'll just sit there and explain exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. There will obviously be some nuances in each game, and afterwards, you know, he he you know he was uh, Emery was magnanimous in saying that Saints deserve to win in the press conference afterwards, and Ralph was magnanimous as well in saying, well, look, you know, you have to be honest and say Arsenal didn't really have a centre half that was fit on the pitch, um, and so it wasn't really a, a full Arsenal test, but we knew that and we decided that we were going to play to try and take advantage, and as, as Steve said, they did, and I, I, I like this. Clear thinking, everybody goes out, they know what position they're playing, they understand what the demands are of them, what the manager wants from them, what their teammates are going to need from them, and get out there and do it. And that removes a lot of um, potential for excuses and, you know, the kind of things that Bertrand, I guess, was getting at with his um, message. So, yeah, yeah, it was it was just a it was just a cracking performance. And what uh, the other point I was going to make is wasn't it interesting um, with a week's training to as much as anything to see who he picked and who he didn't pick? Because that spoke volumes. I mean, we can never be 100 percent sure about all the fitness. We know, obviously, Bertrand was out and, Mm. and, you know, presumably because of his quality would play if fit. Um, Cedric, likewise. And Lamina as well. Unfortunately, I think, he, you know, I think he really rates Lamina and obviously Lamina's having a good season, really. But yeah. he picked up a knock apparently on Saturday morning. So that, that ruled him out late on. Um, so they had to adapt a bit. But how um, serious do you think that will be, Adam, in terms of what you've just heard around today? Should fans expect him to be out a bit longer or do you not know yet? No, not entirely sure. Not, I don't think they're entirely sure. I mean, Jack Stevens, that could be a, a, a little break, I think. That might be, a, not literally a break, but, um, you know, a bit of time out. Uh, a nasty one, I think, possibly. So we'll wait and see on that. Um, and that would, that would be a shame if that was the case. But then you you look to the bench today, Gabbiadini. Well, we're now talking fourth manager in a row who's kind of looked at him and not really fancied him now. Mm. Start to draw some conclusions there. Yep. Elianusi, 16 million quid in the summer. He's not on the bench. Twenty-year-old who hasn't played a game is preferred mm. as the as the kind of midfield wide midfield option. And you begin to think, well, you know, okay, maybe they haven't got they've got knocks or something you don't know about. That's possible. But you begin to build up a picture of of the kind of ideas that he's picking up already from training, don't you? And it's interesting to see 
uh, that played out in team selection. Mm. In terms of the subs, it was interesting that Tarek Johnson was the the guy drafted in from the from the under 23s when obviously the focus earlier in the week on the club's social media channels was Marcus Barnes yeah yeah who's yeah. obviously been scoring goals for fun for the under 23s um all season was not picked in the team to play against um was it Newcastle on fr- on Friday night mm-hmm. um wasn't even wasn't even on the bench for the under 23 so everyone's thinking well okay well that surely means that he's probably going to be involved in some in some way on Sunday, and yet he's then not picked, and and Johnson comes in. Was there was there any word on on what what the situation was there? No, I mean I, all I know is that um, for sure is that as part of this whole buy-in thing, I know that um, that Ralph has taken a very keen interest in in the under 23s already. I mean he's been to I think both of the games that have happened since he's been appointed. He's been at, and and not only that. I think yeah, on the game on Saturday, I believe it was, they played Newcastle, I think. And uh, yeah, he was there um, for the game. He had them in a very similar formation to what the first team were going to play. And not only that, at one point, I think he even strayed down into the dugout mm. to um, mm. to kind of speak to Jaidi and give instructions. I think. So he has been really hands-on with, the, with the, the youngsters already. He's had several of them in training as well. Um, but I guess it's just for him... He'll be looking at them all in training, but he's only going to probably draft in ones um, from the outside in positions that he feels that he needs them. And maybe at the moment, you know, Marcus Barnes, I think, is more of an hour and hour striker. And at the moment, he might think, well, I've got Ings, uh, I've got Long and I've got Austin. I'm not really going to chuck another striker into the mix on the bench when I've got two on there. And there, there's only sort of one spot, as it were, in the team, as whereas... I guess maybe with the wide midfielders, if he's not thinking that he doesn't fancy one or two others, then in terms of actual genuine width, which is what, you know, Johnson's kind of stock in trade is really attacking genuine width. They actually don't have a lot of options in that, in that, in that role, as we've spoken about before. They sort of have more players that sort of come central, don't they really, mm. than, than, than our and our wingers. And maybe that's why he looked at it. Now, Ali Anusi was obviously one of the things he was brought for was that he was meant to be able to bring that width, but I mean, we've barely seen him kick a ball yet. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, wasn't it? Um, and again, it's easy to bash ex-managers, but I think it was um, Raddy Jaidi after the game on Friday night was saying it was nice to finally have a manager that was sort of showing some interest in their team. It was almost like a, a bit of a subtle dig, but uh, there we go. Um, I mean, talking about the um, the goals today then, so we've not scored a headed goal all season. We get three in one game like London buses. <laughs> Steve, you said Charlie Austin would score. Charlie Austin has now scored in all five of his Premier League games against Arsenal. Only Raheem Sterling versus Bournemouth, six games, has a better 100% record of scoring against the specific opponent in Premier League history. Yeah, it's it's weirdly impressive, isn't it? It's <laughs> it's odd. But let's let's face it, we've we've all got doubts about um, Austin's ability to kind of play the high pressing system that Hasenhutl's clearly going to want to employ. Yeah. Um, but I think for the odd sort of twenty twenty five minute spell off the bench in a game against against a side that's pretty ropey at the back, as we've as we've already discussed, I think that's a role where. I mean, ultimately, if, he, if he's if he's willing and able to embrace that that sort of cameo role, mm. then yeah, I mean, there's there's potentially a ten goal a season striker in there. Yeah, I mean, I, I still stand by by my sort of assertion. I wouldn't be picking him to start games. I don't think that he can last the pace, mm. um, and I think he's going to be more used to us against a tiring defence. When you compare him to, say, someone like Ings, who runs the channels, causes problems on a constant basis because he's just got that nuisance factor about him. Ings is two finishes in the first half today. 
that first header was just an extraordinary bit of play, f- like from from start to finish, really. Mm. I mean, targets first first time cross. I mean, you you could not hit that cross more perfect than he did. Absolute was perfection, absolute, wasn't it? Absolutely inch perfect. Yeah. And there was just no way that that Ings could possibly miss that. Yeah. Um. I mean, as a as a bog standard Sunday league player, I was always crap in the air. Um. <laughs> like I had a had half decent left foot, but apart from that, I was just like whatever. I've sort of bog standard. Um, Sunday league striker but even I'd have scored that goal the cross was that good yeah um and it's it's weird when you compare target's performance today against a side like Arsenal who are obviously a good side going forwards um and Valerie the same on the on the opposite flank you compare their performances today to what they did last week against Cardiff who let's be blunt they're crap Mm. and both our fullbacks got kind of run ragged a little bit by Cardiff um, last week and yet today they were both they both stepped up their game. I don't know whether it's a whether it's a mentality thing that you know you're playing against a better opposition, so you you know you sort of instinctively know that you've got to be switched on a little bit more. Maybe mm. I don't know, but um, yeah, both of them were excellent. I thought Hassan Hootel said after the game, Adam, that crossing wasn't necessarily something they worked on this week, but three crosses, three headed goals, as we've uh, we've mentioned there. So it seems like such a simple tactic crossing. But again, as we've spoken with the likes of Charlie Austin, you know, that aren't necessarily going to sprint down the channels, get the balls in the box, and these guys are going to get on the end of them. Yeah, and it wasn't. Um, I mean, I think Austin's finish probably looked simpler than it actually was as well, because, um, you know, the, the distraction of the goalkeeper, I mean, it was a clearly appalling goalkeeping from start to finish. But Just the like distraction myself. Of <laughs> the distraction of the goalkeeper. Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but now you mentioned oh, it. I've flapped um, many times in my career. Uh, the distraction of the goalkeeper coming and, and, you know, completely flailing around and trying to miss the ball. It would have been very easy to just take in your eye off it. Um, but he kept his eye on it, expected him to miss it. And then it becomes an easy finish once that mm. happens. But it, you know, it's easy to take it for granted that you, you think the goalkeeper is going to get a touch. You sort of go on the back foot, you're wondering where it's going to drop. And then suddenly, oh, he's not touched it, and it's right on your head, and you're just, I've got to try and get this on target now. It makes it a lot harder. So, you know, credit to him. And, and I think he's, to be fair to Charlie, you know, what we've seen in the snippets that we've seen since Ralph's taken over is is a guy who, yeah, I mean, naturally, you wouldn't expect him to fit into the the Haas and Hootel style, really. But that said... There are rooms for all kinds of different players, I would think, as long as they're good. And, and, and he's clearly showing willingness and application from the start. And that's, that's great. And of course, uh, I must also remind you, he's, I believe, as you pointed out, mockingly a few weeks ago in my fantasy team. Is he still in there, is he? Blimey. Well, not make any changes, as you know. So if he was in there, if you, if you were right and he was in there a few weeks ago, he's still in there now. <laughs> Absolutely, no, good stuff. So, well, after the game, Ralph uh, Hasenhutel caught up with the Saints media team, and uh, here's what he had to say. Absolutely proud. I am, I'm, yeah, enjoying every moment today. It was really a, f- a fantastic uh, game we played today, and the crowd was amazing. Uh, uh, the moment when we scored the three-two was unbelievable. Uh, you thought the roof is going away from the stadium so it was really a fantastic moment and I think um, we deserve today to win uh, I think we invested so much we had a very good commitment against the ball and we had uh, a lot of chances I think more than Arsenal out of the game and so I think it was a absolutely deserved win 
I must just add before we move on, thanks to the uh, Saints Media guys that have given us permission to uh, play uh, some Hasenhutl clips um, going forward in the podcast. I know a few of you had asked about uh, us trying to incorporate them in, so very appreciative of that. Adam, he said he thought the reef was going to come off when the third goal went in, did you? Well, he was pretty happy, wasn't he? He, yeah. was, he was going absolutely bonkers. And at the end, I mean, I didn't know where he was going to go. He was like, he'd, he just won the World Cup, wasn't he? He was, he was all over the place. It felt like we won the World Cup, to be honest. I felt like we well, won the World Cup. It was a great atmosphere. I mean, Steve would be able to talk more about the atmosphere than me, but it seemed like a great atmosphere. There was, there was a sense of little edginess at the start, but kind of once everything settled down, I think it became apparent that Saints weren't going to get spanked by this Arsenal team. Mm. They were going to be competitive with this Arsenal team, no matter how the game ended up going. Um, I think once there was that realisation, people kind of started to get behind it. And there was that sense of, players really trying running pressing harrying uh high up the pitch etc and i think that that is the kind of thing that supporters want to see and um, of course everybody's so desperate for a home win at mm. last and that feeling you know when when you're when you might be a big club it's one thing you'd have yeah yeah we beat newcastle you know if that were to happen but when you've got that thing of being a big club i mean that's for for a smaller club that is and, and fans of a smaller club, when you see that at home, you see your team putting loads of effort, mm. really try, and then they get a, a good 3-2 as well, good scoreline against a big club. I mean, that is about as satisfying a day as you get, isn't it, if you support a team outside of the top six? Yeah, indeed, and, you know, make no bones about it. I mean, I know uh, Arsenal weren't maybe at their best today and were lacking a few players in defence, but as we've said, I mean, that's that's a team in us that have gone 30 plus games not beating a top six side it's uh, Arsenal unbeaten in 22 games so I mean it really is you, you know you think of all the effort that Ralph's put in down on the training ground this this week Steve it's uh, you know I think to go out there and hypothetically get hammered you know would have been really tough for them but you, you know it makes it even more rewarding for all the effort that him and the players have put in on the training ground to really bear the fruits. Yeah I think after the first half I was speaking to a few guys in the concourse at half time and it was all the case of well okay this has been good there's something there that that everyone can see that there is a distinct plan everyone kind of knows what we're trying to do um looks like the players are bought into it because they're carrying out that plan pretty much to the letter i mean yeah sure i mean they they carved us open for the first equalizer and at the end of the day arsenal can do that to you they're they're a very good side when they when they go forward but yeah like at half time everyone sort of said well the end of the day, even if even if we end up getting stuff four two, which may happen, they mm. might they might suddenly turn up and and sort themselves out. It it's it's happened in in other games for them this season. And you say, well, okay, if if we if we get stuffed second half, then we get stuffed. Our season isn't going to be made or made or broken based on games against the top six. Mm. Obviously, mm. points against them help, but essentially they're they're almost bonus games. I mean, they're not they're not games you can write off. I mean, as last week showed, you can't always rely on beating the teams around you anyway. But the fact that everyone could see that there was a togetherness, a cohesive plan, and that the plan made sense, uh, more to the point. It wasn't like under Pellegrino where everyone could see the plan, but the plan was just nonsense because we weren't getting anywhere. Mm. Whereas under Hughes, we kind of got somewhere at various stages of games, but there never seemed, it always seemed to be kind of by luck rather than judgment. There never seemed to be a cohesive sort of system in place at any given moment. And every single time we made a substitution, that system would then change and it would confuse the hell out of everybody. Um, Here we've got a system. There's a plan. Everyone knows what they're doing. There are assigned jobs to individuals 
and everyone seems perfectly capable of actually acting that out. And it's just refreshing. Well, yeah, totally. So, and uh, I know, as I briefly mentioned earlier, Adam, I know you were invited by Ralph down to the training ground earlier in the week, weren't you? So, uh, again, as someone that's sort of seen them firsthand working hard on the training pitch to now see them today, Sunday on the pitch, going out there and performing again, it, it's it's really nice to see that 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 as I say, that hard work, that effort that you know the players have put in. They've clearly been listening to him. He's you know he will have worked hard this week. There's been stories about him doing one to ones with the players, getting to know them. So he's put a tremendous amount of effort in Ralph Hasenhutl this week. To really as we said get from sort of A to B to be ready for that Arsenal game and picking up the three points yes it's a bonus but what a lift he's he's left uh, no stone unturned I I would say he's worked absolutely tirelessly in the time he's been there I mean the very uh, fact that in amongst everything else he you know found the time to a have the the initiative and then b to actually speak to, to me myself and Adam Blackmore were basically invited down there in the week um, just for a, a brief Hello, getting to know you type of chat is obviously the, he's inner, the see, inner sanctum. Yeah, he's obviously <laughs> going to see a lot of us. So, yeah, it was it was only a, a brief conversation, you know, fifteen minute chit chat, whatever, about about what he was up to and what he was doing and what he was, you know, trying to do and you know, getting to know us a little bit. Um, His favourite podcast, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, definitely. Yeah, well, you'll like this one this week, won't you? Um, <laughs> if he only ever listens to one, I just suggest he listens to this one. Episode 55, <laughs> be his favourite episode. Yeah, uh, but but the very fact that um, that he thought that that would be an important thing to do, or, or not an important thing, but that was something that's worth doing, hmm. um, I think says a lot, because, it again, this is the point I was making, that he has come in and realised... Uh, you know, he's obviously intelligent. I'm sure he's done his research and his homework and stuff before he came in. This is a club that has been divided mm. for a long time now. Um, it's a club that feels like it's been teetering near the brink of, of sort of collapsing to a certain extent. And uh, clearly, if they're going to get out of trouble, they need people pulling in the same direction. And, uh, you know, I've said before, you need a clear plan for that. And that plan has to come from the very top. And I, I think that the the absence of the plan from Gao, etc., will continue to cause problems, even if a manager can paper over the cracks for a while. But at the moment, all Ralph can do is what he's brought in to do. So what's he done? He's got straight into the players immediately with a plan. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Now, I, I would guess that probably the one thing that he won't mention at this point is that if all this works in the summer, it'll probably be getting rid of a lot of them. So, because mm, mm. um, I imagine they're going to go for somewhat of a revolution in the summer, assuming they stay up. But his, you know, all he can think about initially is doing enough to finish fourth bottom. Yeah. Um, and if they can do that, then they can worry about everything else come the end of the season. So he's got to get the players to buy into it. So he's been firm straight away. He's been enthusiastic. He's tried to appeal to them to kind of get on board. It, it with with you know with two clear messages really for some of them it's been get on board or bugger off basically mm. um for those that probably need that kind of message and for the others it's been kind of a more enthusiastic come on get on board you know we can do this type of message for those that need that kind of encouragement and the players have really bought into it i mean from what i saw of their training they it was very very intense they were working incredibly hard i've got to say um, and Ralph was at the centre of much of it as well, and very enthusiastic, very hands-on himself. And then this sort of wider buy-in factor that he's got, he's obviously, like I said, he's got us in just for a chat, just to explain, because I think he thought 
Look at the fixtures. He probably, yeah, let's be realistic. He probably didn't expect them to beat Arsenal. He probably expected them to get beat by Man City and Chelsea. Mm. And then the other two games, well, what will be will be. Uh, hopefully good news, but you can't be too certain what, what will happen. So I think he probably realised that there was a fair chance that this impact type period would end in a real damp squib. Mm. And what he would need at that stage is to have explained his plan for people to have bought into it so they don't get too depressed. And people don't just check out and go, well, this is a load of old nonsense as well. And, and, you know, just forget about it. So I think he's been trying to get people to to sort of have that mentality and that patience and that understanding um, and get that message across to the fans as well. And then he's gone obviously one stage further. He's written a letter that's gone to all the season ticket holders. And then the, the club have obviously then beef that up with the you know token for a free pint as well which obviously you know sweetens everything a bit more but you know it's ralph's idea he wanted mm. to send that letter by all accounts and wrote most of it you know himself with it, obviously a little bit of help with some of the english but that was that was his idea and his letter this is all uh, and then what i mentioned with the under 23s he's down on, in the dugout for goodness sake trying to help them and you know trying to get things working the way he wants to see them work you know he's been there like a week and a half mm. And this is more than a lot of managers have have bothered to do in years yeah. <laughs> of being at the club. They very much take the attitude of, no, I just coach the first team and that's all I do. Did Koeman go to any under-23 games? Do we know? Uh, I, think, I yes, think he did a few, he did. didn't he? Yes, he, he did. did. Few, I, I didn't. saw him at a few. Because he, yeah. he, he kind of binned them off, didn't he, the, last, the second season? Well, he said they weren't good enough, didn't he? Basically, mm. what he'd yeah. seen. Yeah. And then Josh yeah. Sims came back and bit him on the arse, which was quite <laughs> funny. Yeah. yeah, no, he did, he did go to some games, definitely. Yeah, um, I've been really impressed. I've been really impressed. Only somebody who came in like Harson Hootel could pull this off mm. because... He's obviously completely untainted by not having been involved with any of Saints before. So they can't, nobody can accuse him of uh, sort of having, you know, coming from some faction or another and having some vested interest in that way. Um, with all due respect, he's not brilliantly well known in English football. He's not been in England before, so he carries no baggage from coming from anywhere else or having been involved. And whatever he has or hasn't done in the past, the majority of Saints fans probably don't know much about it, in truth. Yeah. Um, so he, then it's just about can you pull this off? And it's like a strength of personality type thing. And and he seems to have bags of personality, bags of character and obviously a tireless work ethic. And it's just literally thrown the kitchen sink at it for the last week and a half. Literally everything that I think that he could have done, really, he has done. Um, and it's culminated in an absolutely brilliant win to kick them off and this great feeling of amazing positivity around. And the thing is, I'm personally delighted for him that they got this win more than anybody else, the players or whatever, because it just seems to me that he did everything to earn this mm-hmm. thoroughly. And, and therefore, it's good to see somebody getting what they deserve. And, and he definitely deserved this. Look, just finally on the game then, uh, Steve, I know it's still very tight out there, there's still a long way to go, but we're out of the relegation zone, which I know sounds like a silly thing to say, but again, psychologically, going into a game like Huddersfield, that's a really uh, big thing as well. Oh, it's huge, Um, particularly given how, by the sound of it, utterly pathetic Huddersfield were against Newcastle yesterday. Mm. Um, The the first game this season they've had to play without Aaron Moy um, in the centre midfield, and yeah, I think... I would imagine that Ralph will be watching videos of that game this evening and coming up with his uh, master plan for how to just tear them to pieces. Bobby Stokes. Hit well. Oh, he's there. Stokes has put Southampton in the lead. A 
for the It's time now for our latest Total Recall, where we will lighten the mood somewhat by reminiscing on a memorable Saints performance from a year gone by. Adam's gone off to prepare the half-time oranges, but Steve and myself are delighted to be joined by Will Dorr and Leon Burton from saintsarchive.com and facebook.com slash saintsarchive. Nice to have you with us, chaps. This week's Total Recall, as requested by Tiff Nadal and Total Saints Podcast, episode 52, is Chelsea 1, Southampton 3 from October 2015. Will, not that long ago, so I'm hoping you can uh, remember this one pretty well well i remember it i've been doing my research as well to obviously fill in the gaps but um yeah some um, Mourinho's third season mess up he tends to load about that point doesn't he so yeah. um yeah remember it well and uh, i think we were his undoing that season yeah we were what about you leon yeah not not too long ago so i think one that we can reminisce about fairly easily absolutely ben yeah i said to my friend at the time take all the same because we're not going to see this again mm. um our form at the time we were just absolutely buzzing then absolutely buzzing you're right I think probably realising that now as Saints fans aren't you you really do have to enjoy the good times when they come along but uh, there we go good stuff well let's get going then so it was the 3rd of October 2015 Ronald Koeman of course was uh, manager of Saints the game was at Stamford Bridge and uh, Saints lined up like this Leon number one goalkeeper was Stellenberg we had a back four Cedric Font Van Dyke and Bertrand we had a midfielder Wanyama Steve Davis Tadic Romeo and the forwards were on that day Pele and Mane. And the Chelsea side wasn't bad either, Will. Yeah, pretty good squad. Um, Dead Bergovic in goal, uh, Ivanovic, Cahill, John Terry, Aplicueta, is that pronounced? Oh, yeah, that'll just, do. I'm not going to do the full name for this guy, I'm just going with Santos. <laughs> Vabregas, quality player, Willian, sensational player himself, Oscar, Eden Hazard, and Falcao. Yeah, that's right. Chelsea side's not bad, but even three years on, Steve, looking at that Saints team on paper, my, my heart's sort of bleeding a little bit inside. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where a sort of culmination in a few years of good recruitment and kind of lucky in terms of retaining certain players as mm. well. Um, I mean, obviously, Stephen Davis came in on a free um, from Rangers, and everyone just thought when we signed him that he was probably going to be sort of squad filler at that point, but I don't think anybody could have predicted the leading role that he that he would take even even amongst that that team that's got a lot of relatively big well certainly big names now mm. um but by our standards were relatively big names even back then yeah he would be sort of one of the senior faces in that team and um all credit to him quite right well the attendance was 41,642 we like to do our referee check our referee was the uh, now retired Bobby Madley um Saint- for that. <laughs> um Saints started fairly slowly and after 10 minutes William floated a free kick over Martin if it's a shot on target is probably going in Stecklenburg and uh, in off the far post 1-0 to Chelsea and Tiff I suspect very quiet in the uh, away and thankfully it didn't last too long as we slowly wrestled back the initiative just before half time 43 minutes on the clock a long diagonal ball was played up to Graziano Pella and this happened Pella with the chest up for Davis what a hit and Chelsea stunned so close to half time with a goal from Stephen Davis a terrific strike from Davis. Wonderful play from Pella to lay it down to him. And I told you Southampton were beginning to believe the last 10 minutes or so they were really beginning to own the ball and they've made it pay. Steve, um, important for Saints to get that goal just before half-time because I think Chelsea had started well but we'd come more into it in that, that sort of second half of the first half, so to speak. But uh, as ever with Saints, they never seem to score when they're on top. This is one of the rare occasions where they did. 
as you say, I mean, what was it, 43rd minute, and it was one of those where you're kind of thinking, we've had these two or three chances, we kind of need to take advantage of that while we're on top, because you would think that Chelsea can't be as bad as they've been for the last 20 minutes um, after the break, once Mourinho's kind of got into them and gotten sort of a little bit more organised, because they, they were an absolute shambles at the back. Mm. And just presenting us loads of chances, but for whatever reason, I mean, whether it was John Terry throwing his um, big backside in the way, or or us just not not being able to find that final pass, we didn't really take advantage of it. I and mean, you mentioned Bobby Madley just now. Obviously, um, Sadio Mane picked up a booking, yeah, uh, for diving, for which um, yeah. when you yeah, when you look, you look back at any of the replays from that, and it is just the most blatant penalty you could you could wish for. Mm. Um, but it's Bobby Madley, so anything goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> bit like John Moss last weekend, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. You get those decisions go against you as you always do away at the big clubs and you think, oh God, here we go again. Mm. And Chelsea weren't, Chelsea were in a poor run of form and Mourinho was under pressure and, and yet th- there they were, they, they got, got their noses in front and you thought, well, realistically, unless we get back in this game before half time they're probably going to run out comfortable winners here yeah but yeah fortunately the layoff from Pella was was what made that goal mm. it was just absolutely perfect and allowed Davis just to just to run onto it didn't even have to break stride yeah and just caught it so so sweetly well as Steve mentioned there um Steve Davis joined us on a free I think it was 800 grand we had to pay free tribunal in the end in 2012 he joined Saints but at time of recording he's still with the club there's talk that he may go back up to Scotland in January so a month or so from now um, as of date 191 appearances 12 goals but I think more importantly you know I know quite a few people in and around Southampton know him in and around the club and I'm sure Leon would agree but top guy top pro and you know absolutely being a top player for us yeah totally agree um I was actually in conversation with a good friend of mine who, I'm going to mention his name because it would make his day to be heard. Go for it. It's um, Stephen Boyle. He'd call himself Glasgow Rangers' biggest supporter. And we were just chatting away and I said to him some months ago, I, I felt that Stephen uh, was going to be moving on um, and quite possibly back to Rangers. And that was just a hunch. And now we're seeing a lot of um, uh, media activity at the moment, particularly in the last 24 hours, to suggest that he's going to be returning back to the club in the January transfer window. And whilst I'd get why well, that would be a sensible move for him, um, because, well, decent manager under Steven Gerrard, the club would look like they're going places again. He's a little bit slower than what, what he was like back in 2012, so maybe the SBL will suit him and, and give him some longevity in his career still. Yeah. But he's a decent guy. I mean, if you look back on anything he's done or, or, on um, the newspaper work or his MBE even, he's done a lot of charitable work for cancer trusts and research societies and speak to anybody that's come into contact with him via the club itself. You obviously get the guys that don't stand out personality-wise or and people will be honest and say, yeah, they're all right. But with him, everyone says a good word about him. Um, he comes across as a real family man. Mm. And, um, do you know, if he goes, I certainly will miss him. Mm. I think he's a bloke. But he's got to do what he's got to do. So he's done us a good service, and I just wish him the best if it happens. Absolutely. No, well, it was a... Um, certainly agree and it was a great strike on the day so it's um, one or at half time and uh, indeed that uh, remains the case up until the hour mark when Saints get number two Milovic with a header back to Gary Cahill given away to Tadic and Mane has managed to get beyond Terry Sadio Mane has put Southampton ahead here Chelsea's problems piling up Mane lost the Chelsea captain took full advantage wasn't to be denied by on this occasion and Southampton have turned it round to lead at Stamford Bridge 
Leon Sadio Mane with the goal there. Um, obviously, he's moved on to the uh, team that we can't mention up in the northwest. But, but a bit like Stephen Davis, you know, came in for sort of relatively unknown in terms of working in the Premier League, but you know, really made his, his name at Saints. Scored, I think it was 21 goals in 67 games, so sort of one in three, which for a team like Saints is uh, great at any point of your career. But again, a, a real player that made an impact at Saints. Yeah, he came to the club um, for the 2014-2015 season. And we paid uh, £11.8 million for him, yep. which for Saints at the time was a lot of money, really, for um, somebody relatively unknown. He took a little while to settle in, but once he did, he really got going. He stayed with the club for two seasons, and like you said, appearances he made of 67, he scored 21 goals. So, great return, and we got a great return on the transfer as well. Selling him for what was it, thirty-four million pounds? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although there's been a few occasions since then, Leon, where maybe it's not felt like enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think a lot of people, and I will certainly remember Marne for that famous hat trick, mm. the, um, the quickest hat trick in the Premier League. At, um, I think it was two minutes fifty seconds. Yeah. That was against Aston Villa, I believe. It was, yeah. We'll have to do that game at a total recall some point, won't we? But, uh, yeah, um, I mean, in terms of the second goal, Steve, uh, a nice goal for, for Saints and a beautifully awful one defensively for Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, Gary Cahill um, was just all over the place, um, which obviously bodes well, given that people have been suggesting we should be signing him in January. <laughs> He'll fit in um, perfectly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a bit of a mess, really, from, from Chelsea's perspective. They, they'd won the ball back from us because we'd been a little bit sloppy trying to play a little... Trying to be a little bit too in, intricate down near the touchline. Mm. We'd given them the ball back, and then all of a sudden they've just presented it straight back to us again. Pella's pass to to Mane, I don't think is necessarily the best, but no. Cahill's kind of gone all in and has tried to try to get ahead of him and win the ball. Hasn't got anywhere near it now. Obviously, finds himself the wrong side, and I mean, there's no way a player of Cahill's uh, speed is going to be catching Mane anytime soon. Yeah, and yeah, he slots it just about under the body of Begovic. Kind of made himself big, and it, it looked as if he might have done enough to keep it out, but it kind of sort of trickled over the line, really. So Saints seem comfortable. Chelsea languishing in 16th at this time. Uh, but as is often the, the case with Saints, as we know these days, they don't necessarily kill off games. But 72 minutes passed, Graziano Pella comes along, and so does our third goal. And Mane on the charge again with options on both sides. is turning from a blip into a full-blown crisis for Chelsea. Now it's the Saints marching into Stamford Bridge and looking set for victory. An outstanding performance from Southampton as Pella makes it 3-1. Game over then. We'll have to say I absolutely loved Graziano Pella in his time at Saints and uh, I think there was probably a man crush there. But uh, yeah, a great signing and just uh, again one of those players that fitted in perfectly after Ricky had moved on to the uh, team that we can't mention in the Northwest. Well, he's led a craze of stylish man of the year, didn't he? And so the hair alone, I mean... He was just perfect, wasn't he, really? Odd a turn for him, literally. <laughs> I think we always, don't worry. Well, good-looking player, um, good player. Mm. Um, sort of missed, but when some Chinese club are going to offer you stupid money, why not? Yeah, I think his contract's up in the next month or so, isn't it, With the, um, in the Chinese league? So you never know, maybe January transfer window? Yeah, no, totally. Well, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? I'm sure it won't happen. But I think that was perfect in that, that game, really, wasn't it, Will, in terms of the way that Graziano plays? You know, we saw the first goal, he holds it up nicely. That uh, third goal drills it and off the far post. A bit like Peter Krause, you know, there's more to his game than just uh, a big lump up front. Yeah, well, he would hold the ball up um, and it bring other players in, obviously, like he did for the first goal for uh, uh, Davis. Um, he, was, he was just a good player. Um, 
it worked. It totally worked for us. And um, I mean, I've never been one on forwards because I've always been more of a defender myself in football. But yeah, just to show we don't really have that at the moment. But we've done this before, though, haven't we? Yeah. Where we sort of talk about, oh, yeah, the good old days. And then we go, shame we don't have that at the moment. And, <laughs> totally. And yeah, Steve, I mean, as we said there, it was a, a nice finish from him. And uh, I, I remember the celebration. And I think we all remember the celebration. Very passionate. I think he ran off in the opposite direction to the Saints fans. So not sure if he got confused. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, a player that wore his heart on his sleeve, eh? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you're right. He, his celebration was, was very much in the opposite direction. <laughs> I won, I don't, don't know if he was, um, trying to catch the attention of Roman Abramovich, who would have been, would have been sat up in the stand yeah, on maybe. that side. Yeah. But, um, that goal just kind of typified both teams at that point. We were really strong on the counter attack mm. back then. I mean, just so much pace and power in the sort of transitions. And Aspilaqueta giving the ball away lazily on, on halfway line. Yeah. And at that point, you've got Tadic, Mane and, and Pella all running at you. Mm. I mean, Pella wasn't necessarily the quickest, but even even he was able to outrun um, Terry, I think it was. Mm. And um, just absolutely devastating on the counter-attack at that point. Yeah. Um, against a side that were kind of phoning it in a little bit in patches. That game was probably the start of Mourinho's downfall that season. Yeah. I mean, they'd, they'd not been great up until that point all season anyway. Um, but that was kind of the big point at which everyone starts to sit up and take notice. Like there was his, his post-match interview. I think he was, he was asked one very simple question. He just went off on one for about five minutes. Yeah. He's not really changed. Was, uh, no, <laughs> but it was, was it the Bournemouth game where, where he eventually actually got sacked? Cause they, I think Bournemouth went up there and, and won as well. I think Glenn Murray might have scored. Yeah. And Bournemouth's away record back then was, pretty awful mm. and then I think I think his last game was probably at Leicester but I mean everyone was losing to Leicester at that point mm. so not quite sure how much of a difference that really made no no I mean you look at the stats I mean we had what was it Leon I think here uh, 13 shots five on target they had 10 three on target we had more corners um they admittedly had 60 percent possession but I think you know when you look back at that game I mean the first sort of 10-15 minutes was Chelsea but Saints controlled the rest of the game Oh, absolutely, Ben. Absolutely. Yeah, with the pace of Marnie as well and um, the long balls up to Pele and Pele was just holding the balls off and um, great support from Tadix in the number 10 role, really. And when Yama and Davis were controlling the midfield on that day. Mm. Well, Saints see the game out. It finishes 3-1. Tiff and uh, all the other Saints fans are delighted. And we actually move up to ninth in the Premier League in uh, a season that, as we all remember, would see uh, a fantastic finish in uh, May of 2016. After the game, it's fair to say Ronald Koeman was a happy man. Yeah, it's a fantastic win because uh, even against Chelsea, maybe they're a little bit more struggling. They're a little bit more nervous than, than usually. And you saw that after the 1-1, when we scored the 1-1, uh, we were the better team on the pitch, we had the best chances, and I think the second half was uh, was perfect. Uh, very strong start, and we scored 2-1, 3-1, and, and after that, really a strong defensive organisation. Fantastic spirit, and uh, outstanding, outstanding. And what about the front three of Pal, Manny and Tadic? What did Koeman make of that? Yeah, they worked very hard to uh, to press them, to, to press the the four defenders of Chelsea, and 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 Pella was very strong, uh, also strong against Cahill and Terry, and that's not easy. And the movements of uh, of Sadio and Dusan was uh, was very dangerous from the left side, and 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 a good organisation. I'm very proud of the uh, of the players. Leon Ronald Koeman, uh, um, a Saints manager that maybe won't go down in history as a, a fan's favourite because of the way he left, but in terms of the results, it's hard to argue uh, against them. Absolutely, Ben. Yeah, once Pochettino went and Koeman come in, Koeman just carried on the same way, really playing the high pressing ball, 
chased every ball down and played at high tempo. It, it was the same. It, it all happened to Koeman, really. There was rumours at the time that Koeman and Reid were, weren't seeing eye to eye. As Steve said there, uh, Will, I guess you know a lot of the limelight for Saints was taken off uh, the fact that Chelsea was so poor in the Mourinho interview. But Stamford Bridge has been and always will be a tough place to go. So you know, fabulous three points for Saints in the end. Yeah, the Mourinho has a habit of taking the gloss off of um, another team's uh, decent win, and yeah, they may have played poor to their standard, but we played blooming amazing to ours, mm. and it could have been four-one. I mean, I don't know you guys remember Tadic had an opportunity just to lay the ball off to Davis. Yep. And decided he wouldn't. We could have absolutely battered them and really put it in the history books. And still, Mourinho's taken the gloss off quite a lot with his bad behaviour, if anything. Mm, indeed. So, well, as we say, that was uh, you know a fantastic win for uh, Saints. It's this week's total recall: Chelsea one, Saints three, from the third of October two thousand and fifteen. Dedicated to Tiff Nadal and all the other Saints fans who attended that day. Thanks to Leon and Will, and we'll see you next time. Adam Leach and Steve Grant, sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. Next up, as we discussed earlier in the podcast, it's the uh, away day up at uh, Huddersfield. We were sort of discussing there briefly, um, Steve, it's uh, a tricky test for Saints. Um, You you don't quite know what to expect from Huddersfield these days. It's uh, not necessarily the most consistent side at home. They're ropey at the moment. Um, I mean, obviously, it's well documented their attack is dreadful they don't they don't score very many goals at all mm. but they don't tend to concede many either i mean they were by the sound of it they were a little bit unlucky to um to be on the on the losing side at, at the emirates last week um put in by what sounded like a very credible performance against again as we saw today a pretty pretty decent side mm. um and obviously got done quite late on there so then i mean they're no mugs but at the end of the day, if they're they're the, they're the sort of side that we need to be need to be beating really, if we're going to haul ourselves out of trouble, we've given ourselves a deficit. We've reclaimed a little bit of that ground today. Mm. You can't rely on getting results against the big sides. No. Um, I mean, as we've seen, our record. I mean, it's the first win in what 30, 31 games against the top six. So yeah, we need to we need to start picking up wins against the sides around us. And the way Huddersfield are at the moment having been abject against Newcastle last week on, on home soil. Well, no better place to start. I mean, we've got a pretty poor record up there in, in league games, yep. but yeah, I mean, we, we go up there, nothing to lose now, really. I, mean, I don't, I don't see any reason why we can't win up there now. No. And as Steve said, Adam, uh, Huddersfield scored only 10 goals in their 17 games this season. They've let in 28, which is uh, four less than us, but only one win at home in nine Premier League games. It was a, a bit more of a fortress for them at home last season, but Again, their home form is, should really give Saints a boost. They're in big trouble, Huddersfield, I think. They're in massive trouble. I mean, I think most people's tips for relegation before the season started, there seemed to be a consensus that two would be Huddersfield and Cardiff, and then mm. kind of take your pick. Um, and, I, and I think that the reason people picked Huddersfield is that they were going to probably lose a, a lot of that fortress feeling at home and that kind of momentum that they brought with them would, would fade. And therefore... They just wouldn't have enough quality to get points. And I think that's that's very much the case. But mm. it's a good opportunity for Saints. You know, if we say the Arsenal game, yes, yeah, they were brilliant. But 
maybe they took advantage of an opportunity for once. Um, you know, Arsenal really not having a fit centre half out there. Maybe they they finally took advantage, hmm. um, as as you should in those situations. And now feels like a great time to play Huddersfield, doesn't it? After they've lost, uh, you know, that's a demoralising defeat to to lose to a relegation rival at home. Their best player by an absolute country mile is is missing. Yeah, their 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 sort of talismanic figure is going to be missing for some time. It's absolutely ideal timing, and and for Saints to go there on the back of the of winning against Arsenal, mm. um, and as Steve said, with a kind of a little bit of the pressure relieved. I mean, I I was obviously uh, going to say had they had they lost to Arsenal that this would have been a must win game, but. <laughs> <laughs> But clearly now, now it's not game. <laughs> yeah, well, it yeah. was. It's not though, is it? So, um, uh, so I'm not saying that. But it would be. It would be. Uh, I mean, Saints will know if they can get a win up at Huddersfield. That is going to really ease so many of the problems, and they can then really have a have a bit of a free run at West Ham, who are obviously on very good form, but mm. erratic at times. Man City, who are, you know, obviously brilliant. And then Chelsea, and you can have a little bit of a free run of those because ultimately, if you then lost all three of those, or you just got a draw against West Ham and you lost the other two or something, you know what? You've bought yourself that breathing space mm. um, to get through this period. And even if you, if it does suck you back into like third bottom or something, you can be fairly philosophical because you haven't got to play those games again. So um, it, it would be absolutely massive for them uh, to go there and and get a win. A point would be okay but it's not great still they do need to, i think you know for their own confidence sake they need to beat one or two of these teams around them they can't keep on failing to beat the teams around them and, and i i would imagine that huddersfield are probably going to finish rock bottom of the division um so really this is the one to win i think uh, this time and obviously goes without saying you wouldn't want to lose for very obvious reasons but i don't know really when i look at it on paper when I look at how vibrant Saints are looking and with another week to work ahead of this game, I struggle to see how Huddersfield are really going to contain Saints um, because I, I don't think that, that Huddersfield are going to be a massive goal threat going forward. I mean, they scored 10 in 17. That's pathetic. Adam, why are you saying all this? It's going to be totally commentator's curse here. Well, this is not going to end well. Huddersfield 6, Southampton <laughs> nil. reflecting on that, yeah. You've just, you've just got, well, you can only say what you see and what you think. I know, I, I, I mean, know. I'm not, I'm not what concerned about curses and things. Roy Walker in the room. <laughs> <laughs> What's Mr. Ships doing? <laughs> um, but you're right, I mean, we were talking about luck, weren't we, and there's not been a lot of luck around, and yeah, I mean, I was thinking when I saw the other day that Aaron Moy's out, you know, he is their talisman, so maybe Saints' luck is uh, turning a little bit, but I guess the other thing as well, Steve, both the managers will know each other David Wagner and uh, Hasenhutl so I'm sure there's going to be sort of a competitive game within a competitive game really isn't there they're both going to want to get one over on each other I'm not sure how sort of close they are I don't think it's quite the same as uh, Wagner and, and Klopp's uh, friendship for example but I mean the fact they've both they've both been in around the sort of Bundesliga environment for many years they'll obviously know each other and be aware of uh, strengths and weaknesses I guess mm. Um, but I don't I don't think that necessarily ratchets anything up to any extent. I think it's, I mean, it's something that I'm sure the uh, the press will uh, will look at because I mean, the Nationals are, are going to struggle to find an angle for this game at the best of times. So I suppose that's a that's a bit of a free pass for them. But mm-hmm. I don't think well, in fact, to be honest, I don't think either of them will will see it as anything other than this is my team and we're tr- we're going to try and win this game. I don't think there's don't think there's anything extra riding on it in, in that sense. 
Right, let's have uh, some predictions. We'll keep it short and sweet because we did uh, a fair bit on Arsenal and uh, obviously our brilliant total recall. So, Adam, let's have some predictions for Huddersfield away. 3-0 Saints. Right, Steve? That was annoying because I was going to go 3-0 Saints. Uh, so instead, I'm going to go 2-0 Saints. 2-0 Saints, good. All right, right. I, I genuinely think we will win, but obviously, and bearing in mind I said last week what I did, which was to predict them to lose today so that they would get something, I'm going to predict Saints to lose 2-1, but oh, I genuinely don't believe that. I, you know, If anyone's listening, then I genuinely think Saints will win, but just in terms of if I stick a prediction down that has them winning means that they will lose, then I'd rather just do... Uh, I'd rather forego winning the prediction league, Adam, and make sure that Saints get three points next week. Well, I'd happily win it, so that's all right. Good. All right, I've taken one for the team there, so good. All right, fingers crossed that uh, Saints do uh, carry on the momentum and pick up that win up at Huddersfield. Thanks for listening to Total Saints Podcast. It's been uh, very enjoyable to do uh, a win, and uh, I'm sure Adam, Steve and myself uh, all agree that we're more than happy to do one again next week. I'm actually going to be down in Southampton for Christmas, so I think we're hoping to do one live from your West Wing, Adam, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I'll um, I'll have the uh, staff prepare quarters for you. I know. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to concentrate looking you in the eye while I'm talking and stuff. But there we go. Yeah, we'll be back next weekend. Uh, thanks to Leon and Will, Steve and Adam for their time. We're all off to watch Arsenal fans TV. Have a good week, Saints fans. I think we deserve it after uh, what's been a depressing few months. So make sure you enjoy every moment up until the Huddersfield game. Keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.